wrestling with this wire here. Are we on? All right. Well, good morning. Tussling with this thing right here. Finally got it figured out. That would have made the news, huh? Local preacher strangled by his mic cord. So I hope you had a good week. It was Resurrection Week, and so last week we got to meet together and to celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus. He is alive. Well, why do you seek the living among the dead? That is uh, one awesome verse in Scripture that we see where Jesus was uh, resurrected from the grave and he lives today. And so for, reasons, for those reasons, we, we can have hope and we can live in this world today because of that. And so last week we talked a, a little bit about uh, the reasons for uh, why we believe and why I believe in the resurrection. And so we talked about those. I, I was talking before the service. Uh, it's a conversation that I could talk about for the rest of my life. It's a, a fun, 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 very interesting topic, an amazing topic. Uh, so today, as you see, we're, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And uh, so there are two things that uh, the Lord commanded us that we should continue to do. Uh, so as uh, Protestants, as Baptists, one of those is baptism. So last week, we were privileged to be able to see Amber and uh, her baptism, and that's simply an outward expression of an inward redemption or an inward decision uh, that Amber has made to follow after the Lord and to commit her life to follow Him. And uh, so we saw baptism last week. Well, this week, the second sacrament that we see uh, that we follow uh, as Protestants or as Baptists is the Lord's Supper. And so again, this is simply just an outward expression of an inward change or an inward redemption that the Lord has brought into our life. And so uh, it's an opportunity for us to celebrate together. Uh, Again, with baptism, it's just simply something that incorporates us as believers into the community of faith. And so if you've never been baptized before, if you've made a decision to join the body of Christ, if you've placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, then you... uh, uh, you should follow that with baptism. Again, baptism is the outward expression of your salvation. And as Baptists, um, it is an incorporation, if you will, into the membership or the community of faith uh, here at this local church. And so just as that is a, 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 a entrance into the community of faith, rather, uh, or uh, a celebration of that, uh, so is the Lord's Supper in that it not brings us into community, but it sustains us in this community. And so this is uh, probably not the first time that you've celebrated the Lord's Supper, and it uh, hopefully won't be the last time, uh, because what it does, again, is it brings us together as a community of believers to remind us of that, in fact, what it is that we do believe. Now, uh, as we'll study here in just a few minutes, we see that uh, one of the most popular occurrences of this that we read in scriptures from Luke, and we also read some from John. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 today, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And uh, in the Gospels, it is referred to as the Last Supper. Uh, You've probably heard of that before, and uh, it is referred to as the Last Supper, uh, not because it was the last time that Jesus uh, had dinner or supper on earth, uh, but it was because of what it did. And it is that it instituted the new covenant for you and I and for believers uh, worldwide. And so as we talk about this Last Supper, it was the ending of the old covenant and the beginning or the, uh, the inception of a new chapter or a new covenant that we will, uh, 
we, we inherit from Jesus Christ. So what is the Last Supper? What is the Lord's Supper? Why did they celebrate that? Why were the disciples getting together with Jesus that night? Well, the reason for that is they were celebrating the Passover. Now, if you haven't read, you should go back and read in Exodus chapter 12. Uh, and specifically, we see the Passover celebration there. And uh, so from history, we know that the Egyptians uh, had enslaved the Israelites. And uh, you know, reading through Moses' uh, lineage and history, uh, the different things that that meant for them. And they had a really difficult time. The Egyptians made it very hard on them. And so God uh, raised up Moses and he says, okay, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to say, let my people go, right? You, you learn that as a child, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, hey, let my people go. I thought about getting all, all of us to do that just for fun because that's a fun song. Uh, but he went to Pharaoh and said, hey, let my people go. Well, Pharaoh said, now, wait a minute. This God that you speak of, why, why should I do that? Now, that was the Matt Davis version, the MDV uh, but he says, no, I'm not letting these people go. And so God said, okay, well, we'll see about that. And so God sent plague after plague after plague to uh, the land of Egypt upon the Egyptians. And so finally, Pharaoh said, what in the world is going on? And so God sent one final plague. And it was the death of all the firstborn males uh, that the death angel would smite every one of those. And so God instructed the Israelites. He says, I want you to sacrifice the Passover lamb, and I want you to take the blood from that lamb, and I want you to smear it on the doorpost of your house. You've heard this story before, Exodus chapter 12. And I want you to smear it on the doorpost. And when the death angel comes by, the death angel, is uh, their job is to, to smite or to kill all of the firstborn males in the land of Egypt. If you put this blood on your doorpost, that blood will represent the passing over. And so the death angel will then pass over your house and you will not have uh, your firstborn male pass away. Now, in that time, imagine if you're an Israelite and you're in Egypt and that comes and you've, you've, you've obeyed God, you've done what you were instructed to do, you've put the, the blood on the doorpost and again, for us that seems a little odd, but for Jewish was very common uh, for sacrifices to be done. And then that night, your neighbor's firstborn child, male, dies. Last week, uh, I, there was in the circle that I'm in, there was a pastor friend of mine, and uh, he had an accident, and uh, his granddaughter was in the accident with him, and she passed away. And so, have these times in our life, and we say, why? Why did that happen? And uh, so tonight, uh, we're, we're going to talk about that. So if you get a chance to come back tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to talk about why do bad things happen. And uh, we're going to try to answer that question. And so I can imagine that same question is being brought here uh, with the Egyptians and, and the Israelites even looking at this and saying, you know, God, what are you doing? N- not yet knowing that generation, not knowing that there would be a Messiah who would come. And he would pass over our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ that would be sacrificed on the cross. And so God the Father looks at us and he says, well, if there is sin in your life, then there must be a payment for that sin. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6 verse 23 that the wages of sin is death. 
And none of us can avoid that because a few chapters earlier, the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 10 says there's none righteous, no, not one. And so none of us are capable of paying for our sins. And so as believers, as we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, what we're doing is we are saying, God, we are incapable of taking payment for our sins. We cannot pay for our own sins. So we are receiving Jesus Christ's forgiveness or the the sacrifice that he has uh, shed his blood on the cross for so that we can be passed over when death comes and so that we may have eternal life opposed to eternal death or eternal separation from God. So Paul is talking to the church at Corinth here. And he's given them some instructions about the Lord's Supper. And, and there were some things that had taken place in Corinth here. And so Paul is trying to, to right the ship, if you will. And so we're going to talk about this this morning. And I'm going to give you a few reasons why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And uh, hopefully some of these things you know. Uh, but maybe it will help to uh, cement some things in your heart about the reason uh, for the celebration today. But before we read, let's ask the Lord to bless the reading of His Word. God, we come to you this morning, and uh, God, so many things have happened this week. Uh, Lord, people worked, people were uh, at home, people had many activities, but uh, many, many people had their lives forever changed today. God, this week brought activities that forever altered the course of their life. God, whether it was accidents, God, whether it was work situations, God, whether it was family disagreements, God, maybe good things happen. Hopefully good things happen. Maybe uh, things change for the better for some people in this room. But God, it's safe to say that life changes all the time. And God, so often times we get caught up in what we're involved in and what we're doing, and, and sometimes we allow the memory of your sacrifice to slip our minds. God, life is very fast. And Lord, as we pause this morning, God, Lord, we want to focus our attention on you. God, we want to focus on what you did for us. God, your word says that while we were sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Something we could not do ourselves. So God, I pray that we'll just focus at the feet of Jesus this morning. For just a few minutes, the struggles of life, God, may they fade away in this moment. God, the responsibilities of life, all the things that happen, Lord, that draw our attention away from you. God, may we simply hit the pause button for just a few minutes and just sit with you. God, to remember what you did, to remember why you did it. And to celebrate those things. God, I pray you bless the reading of your word. God, may it speak directly to the inner heart of every person in this room. God, may you give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And hearts to receive this morning. In Jesus' name. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul's instructing the church at Corinth here. And the Corinthian church had a lot of problems. And uh, one of them is that they like to change things to twist their agenda. Now, before we, you know, toss the baby out with the bathwater, we're guilty of doing the same things. A lot of times I think we, uh, we 
guilty of changing things to benefit us. And so Paul's saying, let's take a time out here and let's go back to why we're doing this. And so I want to share with you just a few things this morning about why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23, the Bible says, I, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. Now, Paul, if you'll remember last week, said the same thing about the, cruci- uh, the resurrection. He said, What I received, I am delivering to you. And so it was very understood and very received, orally passed down during this time. Uh, that, you know, of course, of course, last week I mentioned 1 Corinthians was written in the early 50s. And so here we are within 20 years of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. And he says, this, this that I'm delivering to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, verse 24, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup and after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Verse 28, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on him Self. So Paul's talking to the Corinthian church here, and he says, listen guys, you cannot change it to be something that you want it to be. May I remind you of what it was originally instituted for and the purpose behind why we do this. So if we back up to Luke chapter 22 in the New Testament, these scriptures will come up. You see that uh, Luke's account is this, that the day came of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked. And so he replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asked, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. And so they left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. So Jesus is giving them instructions to come. And in those instructions, as we read in 1 Corinthians, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Now they're having the Passover celebration. And so when, when they, the disciples got together, what they were doing is they were celebrating the Passover. At this point, it is something that they have done year after year after year for as long as they possibly could remember. And so right now, nothing is different, but yet Jesus brings a new element to this Passover meal. He, he, he brings a new significance by saying, this is my body, which is broken for you, And then after supper, he, he uh, took the wine, and in effect, he said, I am attaching a new significance to this cup that we are also celebrating. And so as they thought about that, as the disciples were there, what they were remembering was, now, I remember Jesus in, in the Old Testament with Moses, how the Passover was instituted because the blood marked the doorpost. But what Jesus is now instructing them is that this blood is, this cup that we're talking about, that we're uh, celebrating with the Lord's Supper, this cup is now representative of what I, will, uh, I am about to do 
for you. I find it fascinating that Jesus instructed them to remember something that had not yet happened. And so he said, remember this blood. Basically what Jesus was saying is that I am the Passover. Jesus is the Passover. He is the Passover lamb. He is the one who will be sacrificed for not only the disciples, but for the sins of the world. And it is the blood of Jesus uh, that was marked over the door of your life and of my life that allow us to escape the wrath of God. And so what he's telling them is from now on what I want you to remember is that when I go to the cross and I die for your sins and for the sins of the world, that is for the forgiveness of your sins. This is the new covenant. And so that's what Jesus was reminding them of that night. It was really a ritual or a sign of deliverance for the disciples. It was a sign of redemption because it meant that these disciples and you and I would escape the very wrath of God. And so as we talk about celebrating the Lord's Supper, I just want to give you three quick things here that the Lord's Supper, the reason why we do that. Well, the first reason this morning is, again, as Jesus said, remember. It's to remember the past. It's to remember the things that God has done. He was reminding them that they were commanded. Paul is reminding the Corinthians. They were commanded by Jesus to, in verse 24, do this in remembrance of me. And so this is not some idea that the the leadership of this church came together and said, hey, let's do this a few times a year. No, we're commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ to do this, to continue to keep top of mind the things in which he had done for us. You see, there would be many things that may slip the minds of the disciples. I think about the crucifixion, and I think about the fact that there was only one disciple at the crucifixion, John the disciple, and yet the rest of them had betrayed Jesus. They had forgotten all of the things that he had taught them. And yet Jesus is saying here, even before I commit to the cross, even before I hang on the cross for six hours on Friday, I want you to remember what this means. You see, Psalms 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. You see, Jesus was instructing them to keep things top of mind for what he was to do for them. You know, we remember things that change our lives. We talked about this last week, that people don't die for a lie, and the disciples' lives were radically transformed when the resurrection of Jesus Christ became real in their life. And my life and your life is radically transformed when we come to the realization that there's no way possible that I can save myself, and that it's only through me accepting the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's what changes our lives, and that's something that we never, ever forget. You know, moms, if I were to ask you this morning, how many of you have forgotten your children's birthdays, none of you, I dare say, would raise your hand because you remember that labor that you went through. You remember the the hunger pains that you went through and the cravings of pickles and ketchup while you were in, you know, delivery mode. And you remember all of those things that you went through and you'll never forget that time, that first time that you laid your eyes upon that newborn baby. You just don't forget things like that. I had a cousin pass away in a car accident with uh, her dad, my uncle, in 1997. I think I've mentioned that before. And so when uh, Mel and I were married in 2002, uh, we had a photo of my cousin Gretchen. And in that uh, photo, she was a part of our wedding. 
And she was uh, one of the bridesmaids, and one of the groom, uh, groomsmen brought Gretchen's photo down, and he walked her down the aisle. She was a part of our wedding because we wanted to remember. We didn't want to forget. And you see, the reason we celebrate the Lord's Supper is that we want to remember what Jesus did. Oh, sure, we can talk about it a lot to where it becomes something that's just part of our vernacular, but it never should become just a part of our vernacular. It should always be a moment that we pause and say, wow, I can't believe he did that for me. So we do it to remember the past. Not only that, we do it to thank God for what he did, not only to remember it, but to offer our gratitude. You see, in the early church, the Lord's Supper was called the Eucharist. And by definition from the Greek language, it simply means to think. And so this morning when we participate here in just a few minutes in the Lord's Supper, what we're doing is we are remembering what God did through His Son Jesus Christ on the cross. And in remembrance of that, we are not simply saying, oh yeah, I remember. But we're saying, I remember it because I am so grateful for it. And so we thank God for what He did. Because you see, not only when we receive salvation from the Lord, not only when we join the body of Christ, are we saved by God, but we are also saved from God. You see, in our politically correct world today, everybody gets a trophy and nobody fails and everybody gets an A, and nobody wants to believe that a loving God could actually allow someone to spend eternity separated from Him. But let me remind you this morning that hell today is still very real and it's just as hot as the day it was that it was created, and it is simply for those people who choose to reject a relationship with Jesus Christ. God does not send anyone to hell. It is your decision to reject the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that separates you from Jesus Christ. And so when we say that we are saved by God, we are not simply saved by God. We are, we are saved also from the wrath of God because God is a just God. If God did not punish sin, He would not be a just God. And so just like the Israelites were saved from the death angel, from the wrath of God upon the Egyptian nation, you and I are saved from the wrath of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If there was ever a time that you said amen in a Baptist church, that was it. We are saved from the wrath of God. So we're thankful for that. And our lives ought to reflect that gratefulness or that gratitude by which we live. Why do we share the gospel? Why do we love our neighbor? Why do we go the extra mile to countries? There's missionaries in this very room who spend their lives in Haiti sharing the gospel, furthering the gospel, pushing back the darkness. Why do we do that? It is not for my gain or my glory, but it is for the glory of Jesus because we are so grateful for what He has done in our lives. And a changed life is the greatest evidence for the existence of a holy God. And so our lives ought to reflect the gratitude by which we live because of what He has done. Last but not least, we celebrate the Lord's Supper because we are looking to the future. This is not it. If this is all Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 that we have to live for, we are men most pitied. This is not the end. You see, when we talk about celebrating the Lord's Supper, we are also celebrating the future event in which Jesus Christ will return to receive His church. You see, that's the future orientation 
or the future anticipation of the Lord's Supper. It is a forward-looking, an anticipation of glory that is yet to be revealed in us. It is a time by which we will uh, accept or uh, return, maybe you would say, to the glorified state of perfection which Jesus Christ originally created you and me to be. You see, He was there when it all began. Genesis one twenty six. Let's let us create man in our own image. The Trinity, Jesus, was there. And we were created in the image of God to be perfect, to be holy. And yet through sin, we have marred that creation. And so when we talk about the Lord's Supper, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're not only looking back, we're looking forward. To that day when all things will be made right, when there is no suffering, where there is no disease, where there is no trouble, where there is no sin. Even so, come, Lord. Isn't that what the song says? So we don't have to deal with the whys of life because we'll be standing in the face of our Creator, Jesus Christ. So Jesus, He took this cup and He took the bread. The ingredients of a common meal and he transformed them into a meaningful spiritual experience for believers. You see, this morning you can simply participate. And it can mean absolutely nothing to you. And you can go home exactly the same as you came. But you see, that's not how Jesus approached the Lord's Supper. The Bible says in verse 15 that he eagerly desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus stated You see, Jesus was looking forward to the Passover, eating this Passover with the disciples, instructing them of who He would become for them. You see, this sacrifice of the Passover lamb was not only focused on the preservation of the lives of the firstborn, but it was also on the possession of the promised kingdom. Think about what was coming for that. The Passover was to release the Israelites from captivity. The Passover led them into the promised land. So this Passover was a step in the process or the plan of a perfect God to get them where He had created them to be, where He desired them to be. And so when we come to the Passover, we should not come with an unprepared heart. You see, Paul warns the Corinthian church here. He says, let a person examine himself. Because in verse 27, whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. So when we, when we come to the Lord's Supper, we don't want to be guilty before the Lord. So how are you guilty? Well, this morning, if you've not confessed your sins to the Lord if you've not placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then you stand before God guilty because you are responsible for the payment for your own sin. Now, Jesus has offered a way. Jesus has said that He would take our place. He died on the cross to pay for your sin debt and for my sin debt. But you see, we have to place our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. And so the way that you stand guilty before the Lord this morning is that you do not have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've not placed your faith and your trust in Him. For the believer here this morning, maybe there's some unconfessed sin in your life. I don't need to know that. Maybe there's a closet that you've reserved in your heart for your favorite sins. And maybe you continue to participate in those sins. And God's calling you. He's saying, listen, I want to forgive you. 
The Bible says that if we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to examine yourself. It means to test yourself. And ask yourself the question, is there any unresolved sin in my life? Is there something that I I need to confess before the Lord? Listen, I, I don't need to know that. What you do is your business. And it's God's business. And so he's, he's simply saying, come to me. I will forgive you. I can offer you rest. And so this morning we're about to have a time of examination. Maybe you want to come down to the altar and you just want to lay before the Lord your sins. Maybe you want to lay your troubles. Maybe you want to lay your hurts. And you may want to say, God, I, I don't know how to fix this, but you do. And so maybe you, you want to come kneel at the altar. Maybe you want to kneel right where you're at. And you, you may want to say, God, forgive me. You may even need to go to a human in this room and say, forgive me. Because you want to stand before the table. And you want to say, God, I'm doing this because I remember what you did. And your sacrifice was too great for me simply to approach this in an unworthy manner. And so as we come to the time of celebration of the Lord's Supper, we're going to have just a couple minutes of reflection. So maybe you, need to, maybe you need to stand before God. Maybe you need to kneel before God. And you just need to say, God, look, here's, here's some things in my life that are they're wrong, and I can't fix them. God, here's some sins that I've continued to participate in, and I need you to forgive me. And ask God to clean you up. Listen, our job as believers is not to clean up people. It's to catch them. We're fishers of men. And so God does the rest. And so this morning, as you bow your head, I just want to encourage you to do business with the Lord. If you need to come and speak with me, I'll be standing down front. I'll be happy to pray with you, to chat with you. But this is simply a time for you to get your heart right before the Lord. Corey will be here. I'll be here. So... Bow in reverence before the Lord.
the Lord's Supper. So as we celebrate this morning, we are celebrating in memory of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so it's said on the night before that uh, Jesus was betrayed, at the conclusion of the feast of the Passover, as he and his disciples were celebrating, and so as we celebrate all together this morning, that Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body which is given for you. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Wayne, if he will, if he'll pray for the bread this morning.
In John chapter 6, verse 35, the Bible says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Later on in that chapter, he says this, that this is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread that the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Let's partake. On the same night, our Lord took the cup and having blessed it and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my blood, which was shed for you. Brother Ron, will you pray for the cup for us, please? salvation toward us and the cleansing of our sins, Lord, with your blood. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to take that into heart and to accept you as our Lord and Savior, if that's not something we've done. Christ's name, amen.
The Bible says in Hebrews 9.22 that indeed under the law, almost everything <clears throat> is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. 1 John 1.7 puts it this way. It says, if we walk in the light and as he, Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. And let's partake. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we read earlier, it says, As for often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so in uh, closing, as the disciples did with the Lord, our Lord Jesus that night, is uh, we are going to sing a hymn uh, for our benediction and close of the service. So as the uh, organist and pianist come up to play, uh, we will turn, if you will, stand with us as we sing a hymn to celebrate what Jesus has done for us.